my since I graduated, I was able to save up some money during school, and so I did like I spent three months backpacking in Europe after I graduated university. Um, and on that trip, I met like all these like European gap year students, where like taking a gap year is just like really normal in Europe. And I was like, you can just fucking do that. Uh, and so starting from then, I was like, I want to do something like that. And so that that seed was planted a long time ago, of like wanting to take extended time, like what I have done four years. I don't know. Maybe. It was a lot of things. Uh, yeah, I mean, one factor was definitely just feeling like I had like a good amount. I actually probably I walked away from like probably another billion, um, but I was like, it's not going to actually change my life. Welcome, millionaires and future millionaires. You're listening to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast, the show where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their portfolio allocation. Now to your host, Jace Mattinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Millionaires and Bell Podcast. This is episode number 344. Stace, how's it going? What's going on in your world this weekend? Hey, Chiefs just won, baby. Yeah, big, uh, big, great, great game, actually. A lot of defense, a little more defense than I initially thought. I went to OT, but uh, yeah, man, that was a great game. Great, great, fun, entertaining game. And we partied hard. Our kids did too at the pool. But <laughs> <laughs> like, Family party partied hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as much as you can do when you're pregnant with twins and got a few, but had some nice friends and, and uh yeah, it was a great game. Great, great fun time. Anyway, today uh don't have a ton for housekeeping, but if you'd uh leave us a rating and review, we'd appreciate it. Had a few more roll in um recently, reviews. Or I, I should say ratings, but not reviews. And uh yeah, if you'd like to be on the show, we're always looking for new millionaire interviewees. Send us an email, millionairesunveiled at gmail.com. Today on the show, we have Johnson. He's got a net worth of $1.2 million. He's in his early 30s. In fact, I think he just barely turned 30. So he hit millionaire status. And we talk a little bit about that and what that's allowed him to do. But yeah, he's basically been, you know, quote unquote, retired and I wouldn't even consider him a digital nomad, but maybe a nomad, I guess. Uh, he's done a little bit of work on the side here and there the last few years. But uh, yeah, had a little bit of an exit from a tech company and worked at some worked at some uh, Fortune 500 companies and a big startup that all of us will rec- that all y'all will recognize. And uh, yeah, he's had a had a great career, early career as a uh, software engineer. And is essentially now retired. And so we get into kind of that early retirement life. It doesn't uh, appear that he'll probably be retired in, this, in that sense of the word forever. But uh, yeah, we, we did the interview. And I think at the time he was hanging out in Bali. Uh, and there's a couple points, and I will apologize. There's a couple points that we couldn't get completely removed with a little bit of background noise. But uh, you know, when you were living it up in the beach and in hostels and everything else that Johnson's doing in his life, uh, you know, you take the interviews where you can get them sometimes. So going to be a great one with him. I have to say one of my favorite pieces of this interview is uh, while we were interviewing him, just a casual sip on a coconut occasionally. And uh, <laughs> I just wasn't expecting it. And then all of a sudden you just see this coconut. Anyway, it was great. Yeah, living it up, uh, 30-year-old retired Johnson. So without any further delay, let's get into the right in the episode with Johnson. Johnson, do you want to just give us about your background and what you're up to now? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm Johnson. I worked in software engineering for a long time. And about four years ago, I quit my job because I, for a bunch of reasons, but one of which was I felt like I had been able to save up a 
good amount of money, and uh, I hit the road. So I've been on the road for the last four years doing lots of different stuff. Wow, I can't wait to hear about what you've been doing for the last four years. But we must tell everybody that you were kicking it somewhere cool with a sweet looking Hawaiian shirt, drinking a coconut. So you're having a good time as a millionaire. I love it. So before we get into all the details, what is your net worth today? Uh, it is, I just checked before this, it's about 1.2 million. Nice. And how is that broken up? It's like, I don't know, like 100K of worth of crypto. And then the rest is basically an equity. Mm, like about half of the total, half of it is in just like VTI, like index funds. Really like all of it should be, but I decided to be cheeky and try and pick some stocks, which is unnecessary. okay so is and you don't really carry much cash then no real estate nothing else no no real estate i keep i don't know like just like maybe like 20k of cash at any given time and i just like sell when i need more wow so walk us through i mean how did you get to this point where you've got a brokerage account i'm assuming essentially of call it a million bucks a little extra crypto and then some cash no retirement accounts. I mean, this is very abnormal for what we normally hear on the show. I mean, walk us through how you got here. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, look. <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously, like, software engineering obviously pays a decent amount. Um, but the last company that I was at, uh, I had equity. Um, and that equity ended up being worth a decent amount. And so I kind of just sold the equity. And then I had cash. And then I dumped it into, dumped it into index funds for the most part. Yeah. Interesting. So prior to having essentially that exit in the with the equity, did you accumulate much wealth through your earnings or was it really the exit that kind of made it happen? I would say it was the exit. Like I think prior to that, like I probably had like maybe like uh, two, 300K worth of worth of savings, which is a decent amount. But yeah, it was mostly mostly the, the equity. Wow. And and were you able to do this in a pretty short period of time or does it take you several years to, to get to that point? I mean, uh, I guess several, I worked in software engineering for about five years. Um, and so I quit. When I quit, I was 26. That was four years ago. Oh, my goodness. So you hit millionaire status when you're in your mid-20s from an exit. Was this the first company that you worked with right out of school? It was the second one. Second one? And... The first one that you worked with, did you have any equity there? Oops, like a bit, not that. I went to Amazon before that. That's a bit. Um, so, I was only there for a year, so I don't actually get that much of it, anyways. So, yeah. So, I mean, walk me through kind of the the mindset of you're working at a Fortune 500. I mean, one of the most recognizable con- companies in the world. Probably making great money, software engineer, doing it for a year. What? What made you go take a risk in some respects to to work at a place where you get a little more equity that, you know, you thought would at some point materialize? Yeah, well, there were a lot of reasons. So, I mean, one is I didn't really go to a small company. I went to Tinder. Um, so, like, it was, like, relatively, like, was relatively big at that point already. Um, and, yeah, and there were a bunch of reasons. Like, yeah, the, like, the pay was better. Um, I didn't realize how much better <laughs> until later. But... Uh, I was in Amazon. I was at Amazon in Seattle, and so I had gone to university in Los Angeles, uh, which is where my then partner and like all of my friends were. Um, and so it was kind of a no-brainer decision to 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 go to like move back down, be with my friends, be with my partner, like have a job 
like that paid more, had a job like that with the coworkers that I enjoyed more. I remember like in the interview process, like the people that I met were like, these people are awesome. Like I want to be friends with these people. Um, so yeah, it just made sense for a lot of reasons. So you're, you're a couple of years in, you get the equity. Do you think you would have taken and essentially, I mean, I don't know, call it retirement, a mini retirement, a sabbatical, whatever you want to call it. You're four years in. I mean, most people consider that probably a mini retirement at least right now. Had you not had that exit, would you still have done kind of what you're doing right now? I like to think so. I think I would have been a lot more, I would have been more conservative. I think I would have limited myself to like, I don't know, a year or two or something like that. Um, but I, like I, I had wanted to take some extended time off to travel since my since i graduated i was able to save up some money during school and so i did like i spent three months backpacking in europe after i graduated university um and on that trip i met like all these like european gap year students where like taking a gap year is just like really normal in europe and i was like you can just fucking do that uh and so starting from then i was like i want to do something like that and so that that seed was planted a long time ago of like wanting to take extended time like what i have done four years i don't know maybe, maybe not but Interesting. So a little bit of the financial wherewithal to do it, but a little bit of you were planning to do something like this. It just was a matter of when. How did you decide that doing it at 26 was the right time? Was it the, was it the dollar amount that you had in the bank account or was it just timing in kind of the economy or what? It was a lot of things. Uh, yeah. I mean, one factor was definitely just feeling like I had like a good amount. I actually probably, I walked away from like probably another billion um, but I was like, it's not going to actually change my life. And I, yeah, I was kind of dissatisfied at work. And what else thought about it was the right time. I mean, there's like a very long explanation for like kind of what, all the psychological undercurrents behind it. But um, Let's hear it. Big... <laughs> oh, man. How many hours you got? Uh, let me, let me, let me stick to some of the other details first. So like another was just the general sense that like as my life like as life goes on, I will probably accumulate more responsibilities. Like if I have a family, if I have like a mortgage, if I have health problems, if my parents have health problems, you know, it's just like as life goes on, like there are more and more kind of commitments, constraints. So I always had the sense of like the earlier the better. Um, so that was always there, and uh, I think the biggest factor in like actually pulling the trigger because I like agonized about this for like a year or two leading up to quitting. I was like, should I do it? Should I not? Right, because like basically no one in my life thought this was a good idea, right? Everyone was like, you should just stay. Like, why would you go? That's stupid. The biggest factor, I think, was convincing my then partner um, to quit with me. So we like quit our jobs together to travel the world for two years. Um, and so like I'll always have like a ton of gratitude for her for that because um, I don't think like I think without her I wouldn't have had the courage to. Um, but yeah, so that was like oh, we were doing it together. Wow. So two years of the traveling you did with your partner, and then you've been traveling another two years solo. Yeah, so we were on the road together for about two years. Um, it was a weird two years because of COVID. It was definitely not the two years that we had expected. Um, our options were obviously very much more limited than um, we had expected. Uh, but so yeah, so we were on the road together for two years. And then she decided she wanted to go back to work. And so we were long distance for about a year. And then a little over a year ago, we split up. All right. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Do you Do you feel that draw to go back to work as well? Or are you feeling like, this is good. I, I'm <laughs> I'm living a good life right now. Yeah, life is good. I I don't have any intention of like doing like a normal work thing. Um, I like I if I ever needed the money, I'm sure, like certainly I would do it. 
Um, but I'm mean, lucky to be in a place right now where that doesn't have to be a priority. So I have lots of other things that uh, that engage me. Very nice. So let's back up a little bit. I'd love to hear a little bit more about kind of your story leading leading up to this. When it comes to finance, have you always been pretty abreast in uh, money, making money, saving money? Was this becoming a millionaire something that was on your radar from a really young age? Or did you just kind of fall into it with your with your big exit? Um, I think when I was young, I had like general delusions of grandeur, grandeur. And so I think I was like, oh, of course I'll be rich. Like, and then our, my like growing up, our family wasn't super wealthy, but we never, money was not really ever a concern. And then I think starting in high school, I had some kind of interest in like investing. And so I kind of played around with that event of it for, for several years until I realized like, oh, actually like me, me picking stocks is actually not better than just doing BTI. So I'll just do that. It's a lot less effort in time. So how old were you when you started uh, purchasing index funds? Uh, probably when it, during my first job, like that first year out of college, when I had like money to spare, put it into the index funds. Okay, nice. So, and at that point, were you contributing to a four hundred one k as well, or just doing index funds at that point? Yeah, I I always maxed out my like four hundred one k contribution. Yeah, so I think like about a little less than a hundred k's worth of my net worth is is in retirement fund. Okay, and you still have that. All right. So, and then what made you decide after you had the exit just to put it all in an index fund versus any other investment opportunity buying real estate or uh or another business investment? Yeah, well, it's not all. If I was if I was if I was wiser, it would be all in VTI, but I picked some stocks. Why did I choose equity rather than um rather than in real estate or a business. Uh, well, I didn't want to start a business uh, and I didn't want the responsibility of having to manage real estate. Do you currently live off of withdrawals or are you living off the dividends that are getting kicked off VTI and any of these other stocks? Or kind of how do you think about from a living expense standpoint and income standpoint that, that what that provides now? Yeah, I'm basically like more or less like interest, at least conceptually. Like sometimes it's like literal dividends. Sometimes it's like I sell off a bit of stock. Um, but yeah, basically I kind of bleed off the like my yearly living expenses, and that has so far like worked fine. I think I spend about on average over the last four years, I've spent about fifty k a year, um, which like if you math it ends up being that might. I think I actually depending on the day that you look at it, I have a little more now than when I quit my job. Um, actually <laughs> like it's working well for me uh and it's a, a i think there's yeah uh i have i have opinions on what that says about the our economic system but yeah so i guess the question is i mean at this point you you feel like you have runway for the rest of your life you're living from fifty thousand dollars or whatever you probably have the ability to ride this out off into the sunset forever potentially if you wanted yeah, if I, I mean, there's a lot of variables. Like, I want to have a family and kids. Like, I'm told that that, that that can be expensive. So I'm definitely open to the idea of, like, needing to make more money at some point. Um, but that's, you know, that's not a reality today. And so I'm not really worrying about it too much. Like, I feel like I have yeah. plenty of cushion for if, if something changes to have time to, like, adjust. Yeah. So I want to get into the psychology of this a little bit. And, and I'd love for, you know, most people struggle with this at you know, say 40 years old, 
50 years old, they have an exit, maybe even 60 year old, they've been in a career for 30 or 40 years. They have a really hard time kind of making that transition, a transition that you've done essentially in your 20s. Can you kind of talk and speak to that a little bit on on the psychology of what that, I mean, you mentioned it take one to two years, you're thinking about it. And then what made you really get to that point emotionally and, and psychologically to pull the trigger? Yeah, well, so I guess to pull the trigger, uh, like I wasn't psychologically there. It was like just feeling like I had at least the support of one loved person. Yeah, the first, I'd say like three years was uh, definitely psychologically and emotionally really challenging. Like, I'd say like arguably more challenging than having a job. Because like, you're, what you're kind of doing is creating an entire way of orienting towards life. Uh, and usually we have like hundreds of years of culture like across, you know, millions of people collectively building that. And to do all of that work alone is a lot for one person to do. Uh, like the meaning making, the support, the relationships, the, yeah, just the general sense of what am I doing and why. Yeah, that's a lot. And so I think, I don't think it's a coincidence that like many people, so like actually when I first, when I first quit, I was like, like, okay, I can't be the first person to like run into this problem, right? And I was like, oh, like retirees, people who retire, like this is like, this is their life. What have they been doing? Like, what do retirees do? And I go and look at retirees and like, these fuckers haven't figured anything out. (laughs) Like, (laughs) they like, some of them go back to work. Like, they like, so Stockholm syndrome that they don't like that, you know, that like, they haven't like been able to figure anything else out. Sometimes they just sit around, spend time with their family. That one's legit. Spending time with your like loved ones. That's good. That's a good way to spend your time, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, basically, I was like, okay, well, like, no, no one over here has figured this out. Like, I gotta go figure it out. Um, yeah, and I think it's it's incredibly difficult. Uh, yeah, it requires a lot. Um, and so, like, people who are afraid to like take the leap, well, they're afraid for good reason. It's a lot of work. It's really hard. Uh, it's really challenging, and most people don't have, you know, the whatever it is that's necessary, that that it kind of needs support. I think is a big part of it. Is is support kind of the main thing that you would recommend for people who kind of taking that leap, whether they're 20 or 30 or 40 or 50, or are there other things that you wish you would have done differently as it regards to kind of making that transition for yourself? There's nothing I would have done differently. Yeah, I think support is definitely like one of the biggest and most important factors. Yeah. What I really wish I had was the support of someone else who had done it too which I did not have. Um, like, I very, very much felt like I was, like, trailblazing. Um, and in retrospect, I, like, I would really have wished to have known a me back then um, to, like, to, to support me. And so I, I've been trying to offer that kind of support to friends of mine and people that I know when they, like, you know, quit their jobs and take some time off um, to, I guess, mixed results. So who knows? Yeah. Have you found, ha- oh, have you found a you while you've been traveling? I found some. Yeah, I actually, I start, I started a crew Oh, that there's too much background to go into there. I start, I pulled together a little group of five people, um, all of whom were like sort of in similar situations who were like relatively young, who were in a like financially independent place uh, and like trying to do something interesting and like doing something interesting, thoughtful with that. Um, and so we met for, we met for a month or two. Um, and so that was cool. But it took a lot of time. Like, it's, you know, it's like, it's hard to meet people who, especially because, like, I feel like I am very much, like, on the down low. Like, I stay at hostels most nights. Like, I don't spend money, that much money. I'm pretty frugal in my day-to-day. Um, so it's, like, hard to, t- like, 
from the outside, I don't really look much different from like your generic backpacker who's in Bali, you know. Um, and so that's true. I think of a lot of the, of the, the some of the people that I'm talking about, like they live kind of normal lives, um, but they're doing something interesting. I had anticipated you were saying you met up for dinner, not me- meeting up for one to two months. <laughs> yeah, online. That- so I met I met I met each person like individually. Um, you know, like one guy I met in Turkey, one guy I met through the internet, two people I met in Berlin. Um, and then like, I was kind of like, okay, like this is enough people to like pull together a little group and see if there's anything there. So Nice. So how do you spend your days now? Great question. It depends a lot. Uh, I've spent days very, very different. I've, yeah, very differently over the last four days or, or over the last four years. Like sometimes I've been like full-time surfing. Um, sometimes I've been like full-time hitchhiking. Sometimes I've been like trying to get a sense of like, what would it be like to live in this city? Um, right now in Bali, I'm mostly just like, let's see, going to events and activities, workshops, seeing friends, eating, writing. Uh, there's like a like fresh possible romance that has popped up in the last week. So spending time there. Yeah. Is your writing for personal benefit or are you writing about your travels or something to share with other people who might want to pursue your your same lifestyle? Primarily for my benefit. I tweet a lot, but I use it basically as like a public journal. I write, but it's mostly like reflective. It's like for me, like I'll write. And then like if I'm writing something longer form, like it's almost always like for me or for a, a, a application or a thing. Uh, and then sometimes I'll finish it and be like, oh, I could put that online. And so then, and then, I'll, and then I'll publish it. Very nice. So what have been some of the most valuable lessons you've learned since you've been on the road? <sighs> what have been some of the most valuable lessons? It's a hard thing to like speak to it's much more like most of the lessons are like lived and experientially you know but like one would be like really about one would one huge theme has been about um like embracing uncertainty it's like that uh yeah that like that's actually where uh surprise delight uh wonder um excitement that's it's a huge source of that um right like you can't be surprised by something going according to plan or even like you know like path dependence like the best, the good things only happen because of the bad things. Like hitchhiking, I feel like is a really wonderful teacher of this, right? It's like the best rides only happen because of all the ones that led up to it that led you to being at like at that point in the road at that time where that person picked you up. So yeah, I think there's a whole bucket there around like kind of uncertainty and trust and that kind of thing. Very interesting. So it sounds like you're someone who really values connection and deep relationships how do you maintain those with loved ones that you might have that's just the coconut don't worry (laughs) how do you maintain those relationships and connections with people loved ones that you might have you know back here in the states yeah that's a great question that i could talk for speak to for a long time um but the short answer uh is that i have these groups of these like small groups of friends called crews um that meet regularly like every week or two usually and that's like the main my main mechanism for staying in touch with with friends so like i have a crew with three of my closest friends from middle school i have one with three of my closest friends from university i have one with some friends from uh when i was working uh i had i started one from when i was living in lisbon i started one from when i was living in bali like i you know there's yeah and so i've i've kind of I started a bunch over time also um, for different 
like in different contexts for different reasons. Um, but those are kind of like my main main mechanism for staying in touch with people. Okay, and those are like a crew is like a group chat. Yeah, with like kind of like weekly or biweekly video calls. Um, ideally, they're awesome. actually, ideally they happen in person, which I've had like the the one like beautiful opportunity to do like sometimes. Um, like if I'm in town, um, then we can do it in person. Um, oh, I guess I also see people like in practice. The most the place the context that I see most friends is weddings. So like over the last four a few years, there's been a lot of like like kind of coming back to the U.S. like for weddings um, in between whatever I'm doing. That's awesome. And what an interesting and unique way to be able to stay in touch. Aren't we so glad that we have <laughs> that we have these communication ways uh, these days? I don't think I would have survived a few decades ago. Do you maintain any of your software engineering skills? Do you keep up on that at all? No. <laughs> uh, I did a bit of part-time work the first year, uh, but not since then. Okay, like so it's not, yeah. it's not something to fall back on at this point. I mean, I'm sure if like I really needed to, I'm sure I could. I believe that I could pick it up. I've actually like in the last maybe few weeks been like slightly peaked, uh, interest-wise in like all the AI stuff that's coming up, coming out around like software engineering. There's a guy on Twitter named Nick Dobos, I think is how his name is pronounced, who posts who like tweets a lot about like how he's basically like AI-assisted coding and how like uh, like what does he say? He says like every like. Every line of code written before ChatGPT four is a liability. Like that, there's like any like like that or orienting towards like writing code with uh, like AI assistance is kind of like the new thing, and like it actually makes a lot of sense and it sounds kind of cool, um, but not cool enough for me to like do any yet. So it's cool, but not cool enough. You you'd like to keep all of your connections mostly in person or via video chat. It sounds like yeah, Johnson. If you've gone on this journey the last couple years. It- have you gotten burnt out on the retired lifestyle at all or a particular activity that you were doing, whether it's surfing or, or anything else? Yeah. Yeah. I've gotten burnt out arguably multiple times. Um, on yeah, like going too hard at a thing. Um, like one example was like that hitchhiking trip in Chile. That was the first time that was, so I spent a few months hitchhiking all the way South and it was like the first trip that I'd ever done. Like, nearly that much hitchhiking, nearly that much like normal hiking, nearly that much camping, nearly that much couch surfing, like learning Spanish, didn't know any Spanish. And so it was like just a lot. Um, and at, I think a week or two in, like I had a moment of like, should I go home? And I got like, you know, I reached out to one of friends and I was able to get some support and stuff like that, which was really helpful. But like, there was definitely like a like, what the fuck am I doing kind of, kind of moment for sure. Um, but then I continued and it ended up being a really, really valuable trip for me. Um, yeah. Like that was one... Um, at one point I was trying to, like, there was a point where I was, like, trying, I, I mean, I do, there was a tr- point where I was, like, trying to really max out, like, on, like, intentionality in my friendships, in my relationships. So I was, like, talk to friends, like, we should do this, and we should do this, and I want to do that. And, like, it was, like, people were, like, bro, chill. <laughs> um, and so I think there was, like, kind of, like, a, like, like, going too hard at relationships, and like that was that was a thing that I needed to like come back from. Um, that I um, another was around kind of like inner work. Like there was a while where I was like doing a lot of kind of I was doing a lot of something called IFS, Internal Family Systems. It's a therapy modality. I was doing a bunch of like kind of like workshops, like retreats, like courses, whatever. And eventually, at some point, I was like, I'm good. Like there's nothing wrong with me. Like I don't need to be like trying to constantly fix myself. 
And so that was something that I like went really deep into that I was like, oh, like actually, like I can chill out on this. Yeah. So those are some examples that of things that I've gone like super deep into, and I would at some point realize like, okay, like I don't need to do that. Interesting. Do Do you envision getting burned out on the, the retirement lifestyle in general? No, because it's just life. It's just like life, but with more options. So you've completely adapted essentially to living abroad, traveling abroad slow travel, most of what people dream of in some cases when they think of retirement in their 60s, -hmm. and you've essentially adapted to it, call it your 20s. I mean, what, you're 30 now? Yeah, 30. I'm I'm 30 now. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's really incredible. Like, I'm like, yeah, I'm really grateful for it. My life is pretty awesome. So, I mean, at this point, do you look at like, (laughs) and and I'm, I'm asking this question, you know, from a, from a different lens, but you look at people who are essentially committed to, you know, the work life, the staying on the, you know, mainland or whatever you want to call it, you know, grinding in tech for 60, 80 hour. I mean, you look at them like you guys are absolutely nuts. Like, why would you ever do that when you could kind of come do what I'm doing? A little bit more in the past. I used to, I used my, amongst my friends, I used to be like the try and convince everyone to quit their jobs and travel guy. And I was this guy for like several years. Um, yeah it was like and it was something that people got really tired of like because like almost every conversation i'd have with them i'd like be trying to convince them to do this and they'd be like dude no so uh definitely for a long part of uh, uh, an extended period of my life um certainly like to some extent there's some there's definitely a sense of like oh like you know i wish like my friends like the people i care about the people who have the means like i wish they could be like living a better life uh that i know is like practically speaking within reach but this is where all like the like emotional stuff comes in, like the emotional, the psychological, the support, the like internal world, the inner work, the therapy is like, like there's like the compassion where it's like yeah, like actually like, and everyone is doing what makes the most sense for them. Like all that is like really scary. Like I get it. Like it's tr- like, and to not feel resourced or ready to like to face that. There's like a lot of discomfort. There's a lot of like, so like, kind of like changing relationships to self relationships to friends to communities to belonging it's like who am i like just getting lost in the nihilism like there's like uh there's good reasons why people don't want to uh throw themselves into that and so i understand i am so uh i'm so blown away by this lifestyle that you live and that it's not just like a blip in time like this is the life right i'm so intrigued by it and i have so many logistical questions but but before that, actually, I was thinking back prior to this point in time, were you part of the fire movement? Was this, I mean, were you, were your lifestyle prior to making this big jump? Were you penny pinching a lot? Had you always been saving or, or, you know, tell me a little bit about that. And then also now that you're here, are you trying to live quite frugally or just kind of happen to be doing a pretty good job of it? Yeah. So previously I was certainly like aware of fire, like I think. Some, I think, if not in university, shortly after graduating. Um, so I was always aware of it. I was always like quite like generally sympathetic to the idea of it and interested. But I was I was not penny pinching. No, I was I was doing whatever I wanted, um, and I was lucky. And you know, with a software engineering salary, like I was largely I was able to do that, except while traveling. Um, and so I think it's interesting. I think when I was traveling, I always like backpacks, and I always. Like my, one of my my interests was always in kind of like how low spending can I be, how frugal can I be while still being like while re- being really happy and enjoying what I'm doing. 
And so that was something I constantly pushed the limits up, right? Like that's how, how I ended up at hitchhiking, right? Because hitchhiking is free. Um, or couchsurfing, because couchsurfing is free. And so yeah, I think that like curiosity of like, how much do I actually need, basically, was like a question, right? Like I, you know, living in LA, like, you know, I go out to a bar, like go on a trip and it'd be expensive. And I was like, do I really need, like, I, f I found that through backpacking, it's like, oh, like I could spend like a 10th or less of the money and be as happy or more. Like, do I really, like, like, is there really? Yeah. And so nowadays I would say I, in day-to-day -day life, I think I lean frugal, but like, I, I'm rarely like shy to spend. Like if there's something that I want to do and it costs money, like I'll do it. Like if I want to go see my friend, if I, if there's a wedding, like I'll fly to the wedding. I'll buy the cheapest tickets because I don't mind like a bunch of layovers. And, you got or, the time for the layovers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, or like food. Like if, if occasionally like I want like a fancy meal, like I'll get the fancy meal. But usually, usually what I actually just want is like the best cheap meal. So, so and, and like for a living place, it's like yeah, like I could afford like a nice Airbnb, but I don't actually need that. Like I'm not, like if I have a bed with a curtain, like I don't. I I primarily like all I really do in places that I live is sleep. Um, and this has been the case since since elementary school, middle school. Like I, I spend almost no time. I never spent any time in my room when I was growing up. I never spent any of my time in my room when I was in college. I never spent any time when I'm in my room when I had apartments and houses when I was working. It's like why do I? So a bed is really all I need. Logistically, where do you keep all your belongings? So I've been traveling out of just a backpack for the last four years, um, and that's been really nice. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, you just like, like wear yeah, the same three outfits or what? Two outfits or yeah, I got like yeah, I got like five shirts. Sometimes I rotate a bit. I have some <laughs> stuff in. I have some boxes at my parents' place in Seattle. That's where I grew up. And then I have like some some stuff in Taiwan, which is where my parents also spend a bunch of time because um, that's where all our extended family is. And they retired a few years ago, and so they split time between U.S., Seattle, and Taiwan. Wow! So four years out of a backpack. I mean, pretty simple life. You got your chargers, you got your technology, five shirts, and a whole lot of experiences. Yeah. Wow. What 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 has been like, I don't know, maybe the coolest experience or the coolest country or place that you've been in the last four years? Are you able to choose that? Is it too hard? Yeah, that's a hard question, man. Everywhere is, everywhere is cool for different reasons. Yeah. Let me see if I can come up with like, let me, let me see if I have a like novel answer. Like I feel like I have a few go-tos that I usually say. Or, or maybe better uh, said, which place would you definitely go back to? Well, I mean, the bo a boring answer is like definitely like Taiwan in the U.S. because like that's where friends and family are. I've I guess I'm coming back to Bali. This is my not my first time in Bali. Um, I really enjoyed my life in Berlin. I lived there for like three months earlier this year. Yeah, I feel like as far as like, but those are like travel travely. I really like I'm a, I like islands. I like water. I like the ocean. I think Indonesia and Philippines are probably like the two like like best countries in the world for that um so definitely yeah so i would say those two maybe is there anyone out there that you're like uh i haven't been there yet i need to go or i need to go you know check this place out spend a couple months that you haven't been yet yeah there are yeah they're less tra travel y sort of maybe arguably i say like mongolia china and latin america yeah, there, there's kind of like extended story, reason stories for like or reasons around Mongolia and China. But, yeah. Are you going to be able to make it happen before you uh, call call the journey to an end and come back to the United States? Or yeah, I think I think I'll make them happen when like whenever once when it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, like going back to the U.S. is definitely is not like certain by any means. Um, although 
it's interesting. I have like I realized in recent months that there's a part of me that's like afraid of living in the U.S. There's a fear of like like there's a lot of kind of like norms and stories that are just kind of like the water that you swam in in the U.S. Around like I oh, like you need to product be productive. You need to have a career. <laughs> like you need to pave this way. You need to, um, and I spend a lot of time like unpatterning myself with that. So there's yeah. a part of me that's like, oh no, like if I go back to the U.S., I'll get sucked in. But there's also a part of me that's like that wants to conquer that fear. Um, like that wants to prove to myself that I can I can build a good life for myself even in the U.S. And so that's that's probably on the to do list in the next few years also at some point. Interesting. Well, let's wrap up with some rapid fire questions. Uh, what's the most expensive uh, meal out that you paid for? Uh, that I paid for probably some like Michelin restaurant somewhere. Nothing's coming to mind. Okay. What about the uh, most expensive pair of shoes? I wear flip flops. I bought I bought a pair of hiking boots for like by like seventy bucks or something. Awesome. Uh, what's the key lesson you learned from childhood? Key lesson that I learned from childhood. Oh man, like how that where a lot of directions to go with that one. Um, like being happy is safe. Okay. Uh, normally, I ask about what the what's been the 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 most uh, impactful. Uh, bucket list experience but i'm sure you probably say the last four years of what you've been doing on that one <laughs> it's kind of hard to narrow it down yeah pretty endless yeah yeah what would you say is the most fun that you've had with money the most fun that i've had with money oh i have a good answer for this one. Oh, i don't know if i'm supposed to say okay i'll share i have done this activity i'll share the second most fun because the first one I'm, I think I'm not supposed to share publicly. The second most fun is with a few different groups of friends. We've like sat sat down and gone in a circle, and everyone says their income and net worth, like just numbers, and then we have a conversation about, and then everyone shows how they feel about that. Super interesting. Wow. Very intimate. Yeah. Uh, that's very taboo, um, but really interesting. Really cool. That is cool. What's the craziest thing you've ever done to earn money? Craziest thing I've ever done to earn money. I haven't done that much crazy stuff. Uh, had, a, had a job, it sounds like. I uh, had a job. I do a bit of coaching. I coach people, a few people on their relationships with their parents. Um, that's something that I've dumped a lot of effort and time into. Um, so I guess that's not very crazy. I guess that's the, that's, I guess that's more crazy than software engineering, I guess. So I taught teeny tennis when I was in high school. Taught tennis summer camps. That's not right. crazy either. I don't know. I don't have a good answer to that. It's all good. Let's see here. What's a closely held belief that you once had that you recently changed your mind on? That I recently changed my mind on? Hmm. I'm wondering how deep to go. Uh, one that's been shifting recently has been, like, I think most of my life I've seen myself as not, uh, like, very r- attractive as a, like, romantic or sexual partner. And that's, like, shifted recently. So that feels really good. Any Anything that you've done specifically to, to help that? Or is that just kind of naturally, hey, I got my... 30s and like i'm a stud now uh no i've done a lot (laughs) i've done a lot of stuff okay awesome luck skill or hard work how would you rank them luck skill hard work i'd say like luck and hard work are tied but that skill after that okay any last pieces of advice that you'd give to somebody who's just starting out on their journey okay I, i tweeted this a while back uh my bet like my new blanket advice is have you tried getting mad or sad about it okay interesting yeah one one last one that we get a lot from people in your situation from listeners 
What what do you do about health insurance or just medical care in general when you're traveling abroad or not working, you know, in a traditional, uh, you know, company that has benefits and type stuff? Yeah, I pay for. Although I think it just expired, I need to renew it. Um, like a traveler's health insurance thing. I think it's called Safety Wing. Um, I've never used it. I but I guess I was paying for it. I'm mostly spending time in like countries that have low cost of living anyway. So like usually the like if I had to go to the doctors, like paying out of pocket is really not that big deal. I usually go. I usually do my medical stuff when I go to Taiwan, which ends up usually being like maybe once it has been around once a year. Um, so I'll do like all my physicals and dental and all that stuff, and I just pay out of pocket. Yeah. Awesome. It's cheaper. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, we got Johnson with net worth of $1.2 million, living it up in Bali right now, drinking coconut, hanging out in Hawaiian shirts, retired for basically four years. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for listening to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast with Jace Mattinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website, millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.